Hi, it's Mark Evans, and you're listening to Marketing Spark. Content marketing is hot, red hot. For B2B SaaS companies, content is how they've attracted and engaged customers over the past 19 months. And even with conferences slowly re-emerging, the strategic importance of content marketing will continue. But here's the thing. Content for the sake of content is a waste of resources, time, and money. Like any type of marketing, content needs to make a financial impact by turning prospects into customers. Farzad Rashidi has seen the power of content marketing firsthand at Visme, which became a highly profitable rival to Canva and Vengage and generated organic traffic of more than 2 million visitors per month. Welcome to Marketing Spark, Farzad. Glad to be here. Thank you very much for the invite. Before we get into the content marketing magic that happened at Visme, I'm interested in your take on the content marketing landscape. How have you seen it evolve over the last 19 months? What are some of the things that have surprised you the most? So what, one thing that's quite clear is that uh, there's a lot of noise. And unfortunately, a lot of companies have started to do content and they sort of have a checkbox of having a blog on their site and and they you know put purchase a few pieces of content put it on the site and call it a day and and they get zero traffic from it so normally they just never think about it <laughs> right um, lots of other companies that are do, doing pursuing content seriously it's, it's more so becoming a matter of uh, SEO traffic so they they basically are or overdoing the the scientific portion of writing content which is uh, you know, doing keyword research, keyword stuffing, and and then they normally don't care as much about the content piece that that's actually being published or not as adds value. And, and and so the happy medium where basically you're still researching your audience, understanding what they're looking for, and writing actual you know valuable, actionable pieces of content where your potential customers and audience can put into use is done quite rarely. Uh, but but people have started to figure this out. Uh, that, that, you know, the only way to really get make this work, they actually have to uh, start investing in content. And, and uh, that, that's sort of been uh, something that has been happening over the course of the past 10 or so years. But nowadays, what's happening is people are people's attention spans are, are sort of shortening. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that, uh, you know, there's just so much going on with uh, nowadays, especially with social media. Uh, that that it's hard to grab an audience's intention for long periods of time. So what businesses started doing is to start creating content through a variety of different channels. It could be a video and, and uh, take an omni-channel approach where, uh, where I see definitely things are heading towards. Uh, but as far as content itself goes, uh, I think that, that t- the, tech, the good old text-based content not going anywhere. Uh, it's just that uh, to do it right and and put all the pieces of the puzzle together is still sw- quite time consuming and, and resource intensive. Uh, the companies who actually do invest in it are uh, at a competitive advantage compared to their rivals who aren't. So let me ask you the $64,000 question. It's easy, relatively easy to create content as an ex-journalist and a content marketer. I know that you can put a bunch of writers in a room and they can create content. But as you say, it's a noisy landscape right now. There is so much content being published and more companies have jumped on the bandwagon in the past 18 months. How do you create high quality content or valuable content that actually 
resonates and makes an impact, content that breaks through. I'm asking you a loaded question, but as someone who has been in the midst of this content marketing landscape and help the company stand out from the crowd, what are your thoughts about this? Uh, I'm glad you asked. So the answer to that question is quite a few hours long. <laughs> okay, well, let's let's get okay. to a few minutes. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna uh, summarize a little. The way I paint content marketing is always as a house, and uh, building a content strategy is a lot like building a house. You need to have a good foundation and a good infrastructure and a nice facade. So step one. In, in any content marketing strategy is the right site structure. So uh, that normally requires attention of a person who's somewhat SEO savvy. Again, none of these is rocket science, but you need to understand, okay, what are some of the key keywords that we are operating in? So say for Visme, as an example, there's multiple use cases for our platform, presentations, infographics, and say social graphics. These are our parent keywords per se. So these are the ones that, uh, that, that we ideally want to build our site around. Within that site, we want what we call a landing page or a sales page. So for example, as a consumer, when I need to create a presentation tomorrow, what I need to do is to go look up, what do you do, uh, Mark, when, when you're looking for a solution in, in any space? What's the first step you do? intrinsically do a search there you go and right. work where do you okay. do a search google right yeah, exactly right <laughs> google. exactly so presentation software infographic maker right the reports maker etc so these are what we call our landing pages sales pages in order to make these landing or these uh, these sales pages competitive what we do what we do is to create what we call topical authority so we create these categories or silos as uh, you know, fancy marketers call it, <laughs> right? Uh, of content, meaning basically it's just uh, a simple way of saying just create content about presentations. So for our presentation landing page, we create how to make a presentation. What well, how what are some of the best ways to present in front of an audience, right, etc. And each one of them have an internal link structure, so they reference cross reference each other, right? So that the the site is well woven together. So that that's step one. That's building a right site structure. Now step two is to start identifying what are some of the phrase or keywords that your audience are searching for. But that's not enough. You need to prioritize that because there's going to be a gazillion of them, right? In any sort of uh, space that you want to touch on anything from manufacturing to beauty so what's going to happen is they're going to end up with a million keywords now in order to prioritize what are some of the keywords they want to go after you need to start uh, what, what i call I, I made this little simple formula what i call the opportunity keywords where we're trying to prioritize these phrases where they get a lot of um hits so they're actually people are actually curious and they're actively searching for so they get high volume and clicks and you got to make sure they actually have some commercial intent. <laughs> so it's not just Googling about stuff, but they actually are looking to take action and purchase something, whether it's a product or a service. And at the same time, want to make sure that these keywords are not dominated by the big guys in the industry. Uh, so the competitiveness is somewhat relatively lower. So that sweet spot, that middle ground is what we call the opportunity keyword. So you, you we made this little formula for folks can Google it. Just look up Visme marketing strategy. And I wrote a little ebook that I go through all this uh, for, uh, that sort of uh, step by step so folks can 
download that ebook and kind of follow through. It's free. But anyhow, as far as the, uh, the the content strategy goes, once we have our or keywords that we know what we're trying to create, then you want to segment it. Okay, is this better suited for a YouTube video? Is this a better blog post? Is this another landing page? Is this a template page? Right, and you create these these pages on your website, and that's what I call a right infrastructure or a a base for your website. Now you got to build a facade up or build the walls and the plumbing, the electricity to go up in order to show that, hey, this is a house. It's not just the foundation, right? So a lot of people just stop there. Uh, I would say 90% of people I know. It's just basically just put out a piece of content, create a bunch of landing pages, and they just think that people are magic to kind of show up at their door and and people are going to just form lines and, and, it, and try to knock down the doors of the website to come in. And, and that's rarely the case, right? Unless you're Apple. Where, you know, when you release a new iPhone, you get a spike in your traffic. So most of us are in Apple or Google or, or these Fortune 100 companies. So what, what do we do? Well, that's where content promotion kind of kicks in. So we actually spend 20% of our resources on content creation. And that includes building landing pages, development, creating content. 80% of our resources go into content promotion. And it sounds quite scary because a lot of businesses are like, hey, we don't have all these resources to go start promoting pieces of content. And to answer that, I said, just don't produce as much content then. <laughs> it's a matter of dedication or resources. When you put out a thousand blog posts on your website and nobody looks at it and it doesn't rank for anything, that's a waste of money. Produce one blog post, one very good blog post every month and spend the rest of the month promoting that piece of content. Well, the obvious question is, in theory, it sounds great, mm -hmm. but in terms of practical terms, how would you take a blog post? Let's say it's a 750 to 1,000 word blog post, good content, helpful content. What do you do with it? Walk me through how you would extract as much value from that one piece of content. So a lot of people think of content promotion as just going out and, and putting it on their social media and gets like two likes and they're like, yes, <laughs> right. we made it. And then they put it in their newsletter, send it to their own existing customers. That to me is not content promotion. Yes, you got to do that because you have to, uh, but but it, it, it's not even in our strategy. It's just something that naturally happens. Content promotion to us uh, comes back to the main purpose of the content piece. So once you create a piece of content, you want to use this as a magnet to bring in potential customers, to position yourself, to show up in places where people who are looking for a solution like, or service like you would, would naturally and organically find you. Most of that traffic happens on Google. So how do you get that content piece ranked for that target keyword? And in order to do that, you need to understand how some of the search engines work. And I always come up with this example of a Mean Girls popularity content. The way these search engines, these problems works, that the more other authoritative, relevant websites in your space are talking about you and actually, obviously, mentioning it, a link to your website, that's a vote of popularity in nice Google and other search engines. It just tells them that, hey, this, is, this must be a credible source because other people are linking to it, right? Just like how universities research papers are valued based on the amount of citations they have but not all citations are created equal so you want to make sure that that the people who are actually talking about you are are, are uh, authoritative 
Now, in order to do that, people just don't naturally come and find you again. It's not a spray and pray approach. It is somewhat of a active process of promotion. So that's sort of what was also the original story of how Respana came into play. So back in the day, what we were doing, anytime we would put out a piece of content, would have to actually go and use these uh, Google advanced operators and try to do some research, try to identify what are some of the content pieces that other people have created that have mentioned or talked about very briefly about the content piece. For example, let me give you an example so it makes sense. Say I put together a guide on lead generation, all right? Ultimate guide to lead generation. And I'm a lead generation agency. And I wanna get that guide up in the search results. Now it's a very competitive, content. Now, ideally, what I want to do is to find other content pieces that are mentioning what are some of the top marketing strategies for B2B SaaS companies, right? And they, and, and as part of their content, they happen to mention lead generation as one of the strategies, but then obviously the focus of the content is something else so they don't get to dive deep into the topic. So I want to ideally identify first these non-competing posts that happen to mention our keyword in there, and, and, and reach out to them and incentivize them to mention us. Now, that's a whole slew of different you know, tactics and, and, and strategies. I want to keep it to the broad. And also, another thing you want to do is to reverse engineer what's already working. So you want to go take a look at all the other guys to lead generation into the top 10 search results in Google and see what are some of the resources or, or other posts and blog articles that have mentioned them. And extract the list. And reach out to them if especially if you have a superior post and it's what we call it a reverse skyscraper ticket but identify these opportunities that you could reach out to and that whole process and then leads you to start finding the right people and understanding okay for this site for this page who would be the best person that i could reach out to what would be the right pitch that collaboration also you know leads to a uh, a guest post and and then leads to a part longer term partnership and that that's sort of the whole process of prospecting identification finding contacts and outreach something that we were sort of put, piecing together at Vesme manually duct taping a bunch of different tools and 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 had a bunch of data miners and manual work and 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 it was quite tedious <laughs> as you might can imagine yeah that, that sort of uh sparked the idea of response so we were like all right well we are a software company why don't we just put together the whole process that's already working for us manually put it in the software so we can scale without losing quality so and, let me stop let me stop you there because you've talked yeah. about responda but you maybe tell the story of responda because it's a spin-off something that emerged from within Visme, you have this problem that you're talking about in terms of content promotion. It's a classic, we've got a problem, let's build a tool to fix it. What is Responda? How does it work? And is it just available to Visme or is it going to be available to other content marketers? So Responda, there's no D in there, by the way. It's <laughs> you got it. We, we built this initially as a internal software. So we were basically like, hey guys, this content promotion process is long, it's tedious. Let's uh, let's put together a really ugly UI <laughs> and and duct tape this uh, steps together, so we could sort of have a one have just one screen, so that one person could sit down, and go from A to Z in a few minutes instead of spending hours doing research and hopping different tools. So that was initially built as an MVP as an internal software, and what happened was that it just worked very well <laughs> we sort of 10x our productivity uh, or more 
And also right. we cut around 80% of average costs because we let go of six full-time staff members whose job was just data mining, canceled a bunch of paid subscriptions uh, that we had. And we were like, all right, guys, I think we got something here. And up to this day, Visme is still a Respondent's biggest customer. But what we decided to release Respondent as a standalone product, start a separate company and, and sort of have that uh, run scores. And, and, and over the course of the past couple of years, I've been mainly catering to other SaaS companies that are doing the same thing. And a, also a number of uh, really high level uh, SEO agencies. And, and, and people that are doing these sort of tactics for their clients and, and, and other publishers, people who, are, who, have, who have a publishing website or to have some sort of affiliate website. Um, so that, that sort of uh, led to the creation of Respondent. Now I sort of shifted away from Visme and, and sort of running the operation here at Respondent. We've got, uh, we got a separate team here now. But yes, that initially was sort of a, a incub- it's, it was sort of incubated out of Visme. So I'm curious about the separation between the two companies. So are they different entities? And what are some of the management challenges when you've got this love child, for lack of a better word, that has emerged from the parent is now standing on its two feet and it could become high growth company. Are they split in half? Are they, is, are they still inter, interweaved? How have you structured this new entity? We were very adamant on keeping both products separate. And the reason why is that Visme in and out of itself is a very successful company. For folks who don't know what it is, it, uh, it basically is a brand management or brand content creation platform. Mark, you create all sorts of social media uh, assets and, and you create presentations and, and, you know, especially in larger organizations where they have to keep everybody on the same page in terms of brand guidelines and, and logos and colors and fonts. So Visme is sort of all in one hub. That allows businesses to be able to create these sort of content pieces uh, without lacking or uh, impacting quality. Uh, it's a pretty pretty interesting product. We, we uh, our founder Vizmi's founder uh, Paymon, who is a, a co-founder at Respond, actually launched this back in 2013. Now it's got over I think we passed just 12 million active users um, and um, over 80 employees, fully profitable, uh, growing at a very healthy rate. And so that whole operation uh, is what Paymon's managing. So Respana was sort of, uh, since it, it was initiated by me and it created by me, and it was sort of, so the responsibility for the management on the Respana side fell on me. So we, we hired a separate engineering team. We have a separate marketing team. So we, we try to keep things separate so that and not one is impacting the other uh, by eating up resources. Maybe going back to the content marketing production world, what are your thoughts about how to maintain the production of high quality content? Because it's easy to get excited in the short term and to create a number of great blog posts or eBooks or infographics. But in time, that enthusiasm can wane. The ideas aren't as there's not as many. They're not as they don't flow as as well or as fast as they used to. So when you look at Visme and the way that it approaches content, how do you keep the engine rumbling forward so that you're constantly creating great content month after month, year after year? Content production, when, once the content is out in the world, doesn't mean your job's done. So every six months, we actually run a content audit and go back to posts that are six months or older and see what posts are underperforming, 
and that includes time on site, whether it's lost in the rankings, whether it has any backlinks or getting any sort of traffic. And we actually delete posts that don't have any links or get any traffic after six months. It's just a waste of space. Uh, so it is, a, and there are posts that have a good number of backlinks and mentions, but the rankings have started to drop. So let's go ahead and update and refresh that post. So it's a, it's a constant dynamic process of evaluating content pieces that have been created in the past and keeping the, the plot going. So, so that's number one is that you don't want to just put out a piece of content, and let it sit there for 10 years, right? It, at some point, it's going to hit zero. Aside from content refreshes, another thing we do is that we don't have just two people at the company whose job is to write because sooner or later, uh, they're going to run out of topics to write about, or what's going to happen is that they, because it's almost impossible that a person is a jack of all trades. So they, they start writing about stuff that not necessarily relevant to them. For example, it's like if I had to run a cooking website, I'll be horrible because I can barely scramble eggs together, right? So I can't, right. <laughs> I can't write about topics. I'm not. A, so what what we do at this? Maybe we have a, a pretty good network of writers who tried and tested over years, and each one is an expert in something. So like one person is good with writing content pieces about design because they they have a design background, right? So there's a million pieces they can write about uh, about design, and we have another person that who's uh, um, expertise in digital marketing, right? They come from the marketing world and know ins and outs. So having a network of writers that bounce ideas off of and not just necessarily have two people in charge of writing content per se, that helps a lot with, with uh, keeping things uh, creative. So to be clear, do you have in-house writers as well, as yeah. well as a network of writers? So you're, you're tapping both internal and external resources to create content. Yes, but, but the in-house folks are, are predominantly in charge of quality control. So they basically are, uh, you know, delegating tasks, reviewing content, editing, publishing, and also doing the research part at the top of the funnel, right? So, okay, understanding what do we need to write about? What do we need? What are we underperforming? Do we have a new feature coming out? Okay, let's, let's see what silo we need to target. Their, their job is mainly predominantly to put together this content brief that they get passed on to the writer who's now is going to sit down and write from the heart. What are some of the mistakes that B2B SaaS companies make when it comes to content marketing? I know you're going to talk about promotion. You're going to talk about how to create quality content, but what do you see as the top two or three mistakes that many companies make when it comes to content? All right. Number one, content marketing is not for everyone, right? So a lot of companies feel the obligation to have a blog feel the obligation to start producing content just for good measure and no clear strategy in mind. And I always advise them, look, sometimes some businesses, it just doesn't make any sense. Like if you're a super enterprise uh, software that sells like 100K plus a year licenses, it may not make sense to start writing content about it because guess what? Your target customers aren't Googling for 100K plus license to a software. Normally that requires a different sales cycle. It requires some outbound, requires some, you know, salespeople and SDRs and, and et cetera, or events, venues, you name it. It's not always done through Google. So first understanding, okay, where are my audience hanging out? And, and that's something that, that's a question that a lot of businesses don't even consider. They just start writing <laughs> content or just hire writing. So that's number one, mistake number one. First understand if it's the right fit for you. That leads me to number two, and that's dedicating enough resources to it. So a lot of pe businesses, they do not like, okay, think about it. I would assure you 90% of businesses who are actually listening to this 
spend most of their money into paying salaries of SDRs or paid advertising. Those two channels normally occupy the majority of the marketing budget. Very little startups invest as heavily as in content as companies like Vesmi or Respondedi. And the reason being is it's a silent channel that has a very large lag. So you can't just put some ads. And you know, once you start doing Google ads, you can see results. You can say, okay, here's how many impressions we got. Here's how many conversions. This is clear cut. This is great. Let's keep on doing this. It's a never ending black hole of cash. Content is something that you're just sort of producing an educational resource, putting out in the world, no idea who's going to see it. Okay, we get some traffic. Are you actually converting to customers? Because it's not as clear, people don't invest as much in it. So once you identify that, okay, this is a channel that people are actively looking for our services online and mainly through Google. Now I'm producing pieces of content. Don't, I'm sorry, excuse my French. Don't half-ass it. Go right. all in. You know, you want to make sure you're putting the pieces right because if, if it's a waste of money otherwise if, you, if you're going to skip any of these steps. Uh, dedicating enough resources. And, and personally, I don't know any other marketing channel that has had this amount of ROI that content and SEO has had for us. Vizme's traffic, you know how much money we would have to spend in advertising and in, in AdWords in particular based on the keywords that we're ranking to bring in this level of traffic and signups using AdWords? Pick a number. Million dollars. It's about $1.4 million a month. Wow. That is huge. That's a huge number. Every month, we would have to spend $1.4 million to bring in this amount of signups and traffic. When you think about the amount of money we spend on content, that's a pretty damn good ROI. Now, granted, it took us a few years to get here. It didn't happen overnight. But when you actually put them head to head, okay, do we need to spend every $1.4 million a month every month forever? Versus, you know, planting these seeds and putting together these pieces of content. Now, over time, they're going to actually start yielding results. Given that your audience are looking for solutions like you on Google, then that's a no-brainer to me. One final question, and this is a loaded question, but it's being talked about a lot these days, is the where you fall when it comes to gated versus ungated content. A lot of B2B SaaS marketers want to gate content because it generates email addresses. A growing number of marketers are saying that content should be free. What's your view of the world when it comes to gated content or ungated content? I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Uh, you know, I'm not against either one. I think you should do both if you have the resources for it. Uh, it's just a different type of content. If it's an educational resource that people are actively searching for, then great. Let's go ahead and put this out as a blog post. There's no reason for it to be gated. Now, if you've done some original research, run some surveys and, and got some data and you got some something interesting that people who are in your space would be willing to put in their information and take a look. And it's not really a type of content that you would put on Google and people would be actively searching for. Then, yeah, that, that's much better suited for a gated piece of content. Now, the way you acquire impressions is different. Now, you got to be spending some ads on, on LinkedIn with these like forms that people can automatically pre-fill and, and, and opt into your list and get access to that ebook. Or you already have an existing newsletter base or audience that you can promote this to. Not a cool thing we've done also with gated content is that we partner up with another company. So we partner up with Mark, you, and we say, okay, Mark, you go ahead and 
take care of this research part and we flesh it out and we take care of the design and, and, the, and the writing out the content and sort of putting it together. Let, let's put our money together and, our, uh, and, and let's both promote it to each other's audience and split a ad budget in both ways. Uh, let's share the leads that we get from both of these, uh, or from these eBooks right. to the both, right? So you sort of double out the ROIs. It's, it's also in something, that, something that we do on an ongoing basis with other businesses as well. Well, Farza, this has been an excellent and inspiring conversation. Where can people learn more about you, Vizme, and Respana? You can connect with me on LinkedIn. There's not a whole lot of people named Farza Torshidi, so I'm pretty <laughs> easy to spot on social media. Yeah. LinkedIn is my main channel. You can, you can connect with me there. And, and also, Respana.com, Vizme.com, and that's where they can learn about our business. Thanks for listening to another episode of Marketing Spark. If you enjoyed the conversation, leave a review. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app, and share via social media. To learn more how I help B2B SaaS companies as a fractional CMO, strategic advisor, and coach, send an email to mark at marketingspark.co or connect with me on LinkedIn. I'll talk to you next time.